Revelation 7, if you want to turn there, we're going to have prayer and then begin our lesson. Revelation 7 is our scripture lesson. Um, all of the uh, Bible studies, I think, from this year and uh, all the messages are on SharonCamp.Weebly.com. You can go to that website and uh, click on the tab. One, I think there's two separate tabs. I think one is Bible studies and one is the other, right, Kelly? Two tabs. So there's two separate tabs. But, but uh, it has last year's all but one Bible study and uh, all this year's and all the messages from last year and this year. So if you want to have Camp Sharon all year round, all you got to do is click on the tab. And uh, you can hear the, the messages and the Bible studies. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for this another beautiful day that you've given us. We thank you for each one that's here for Bible study this morning and pray that you'll bless our time in the Word. May it inspire us and enrich us and help us. And, and uh, I just pray that everything we do, not only here today in Bible study, but throughout this day would bring, as we said before, honor and glory to your name. And we want to give uh, you all the praise this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This uh, lesson is entitled The Conversions. I don't, I don't know if you noticed it, if you had, if you had your handouts, but it's uh, the chorus, the calamities, the champion. They all start with C, kind of, you know, the churches, the Christ. So that's kind of the way the lessons, uh, uh, I like trying to make it so that if you want to remember things, you can, it's, it's a little easier to remember. And uh, that's the way the lessons will continue all the way through next year, uh, at, hopefully in completing the book of Revelation. That's the, the goal. I have, I have to stick in an extra lesson there because we skipped, we, we, we had that extra lesson this year. So I'll have to probably combine two. I'll, I'll figure out how to do that. Uh, i got a year to do that. <laughs> figure out how to combine them. But this is the conversions. Yesterday we talked about uh, the calamities and we talked about the opening of the seals and a quarter of the earth's population being wiped out by uh, the sword, by famine, and all the things, even the wild beasts. Uh, it was a terrible time uh, on earth during, the tribu- during this tribulation. It will be a, ter- it will be a terrible time on earth. Uh, and uh, a quarter of the population at that time, uh, when, that's, when those seals are opened, uh, will be destroyed and wiped out. Now John reveals the darkness of the tribulation in our text uh, in that lesson, time of great suffering and evil. Yet in the midst of even this great darkness, he also reveals the power of the gospel, the gospel and a huge multitude find Christ as their Lord and Savior. Remember, during the tribulation, you can only get in if you don't take the mark of the beast. Once you've taken the mark of the beast, all hope is lost. And that's kind of sad, but there will be multitudes. Uh, and that's the encouragement that will not take the mark of the beast. And that's the picture that we have here in Revelation 7. This is the picture of the gospel all through the ages, even in the dark ages of the church. There was a remnant. There were those that, that held on. And whenever the world becomes a dark place, the light of the gospel, the light of the gospel. We talked a lot about light over the encampment, but that continues to shine. And Satan cannot overwhelm the light of the gospel. Isn't that, isn't that great? And so as Christ's coming approaches, the darkness is penetrated by the power of the gospel. And there will be this multitude, even now, that responds during the tribulation. 
I don't know how you guys feel, but when, but uh, it seems, doesn't it seem like the, you just want to maybe push the gas pedal a little harder when you're on your way home? <laughs> Try to get in a day early. <laughs> you know, there's something about going home, right? And uh, we, we have to be careful that we don't speed. We hope the traffic's good so we're not held up. We, there's something about heading home. And that's the way it ought to be for us as Christians. We, we just want to move in that direction. We, we want to focus on Christ and we want to focus on heaven and the things to come. So, so we have that hope and they can have that hope even in the midst of all this darkness and devastation uh, if they find Christ even during the tribulation. Question, why does God allow suffering and tribulation in the world? And I believe that the one reason is this, so that we will turn from darkness toward light. So that we will turn toward the light. You see, God, Satan is not in control. Satan is not in control. It looks like that sometimes. And we feel like that sometimes. But even during the tribulation, Satan is not really in control. God is still in control. And the Bible clearly teaches that at no time will evil triumph over good. Even though for a time it may appear that way, God's love will find a way to reach the lost, even in the darkest of times. And that's why we preach the gospel. No matter what's going on, we keep going on because we believe that. And there will be those, even in the tribulation, who continue Uh, to promote the gospel when they realize the mistake, the error that they've made. They'll find Christ, and and that's the great hope even then. The first thing we see in our lesson in chapter 7 is God's plan. Look at verses 1 through 3. After these things I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth, that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea, or on any tree. Then I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. So we see that God's plan covers the whole world. Everything. He says, after this, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth. They're they're covering it all. And the idea here is that God is concerned about the whole planet, even at this moment. And God's love and concern is not limited to only one portion of the planet or a, a specific period of time. But His love covers all. Isn't that great? His love covers all. God does not abandon his creation it may turn away from him but he does not turn away from it and even during the tribulation period on earth that we're learning about here god is watching out for the whole planet satan does not have free reign benjamin franklin said that god governs in the affairs of men and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice neither can a kingdom rise without his aid It is God's nature to care. Even when man turns his back on God, Satan believes he has triumphed. He thinks he's got control, but he is deluded by his own pride. That's what caused him his problem in the first place, right? Such pride of self-importance is the basis of all sin. 
Such independence from God is what makes a man believe he is in control, that he is his own master. Such arrogance is at the root of all sin. So while those on the earth think they are ruling, it is really God who still is in control. God has not lost oversight of his creation. At a board meeting, cartoonist Joseph Ferris says, so the vote is as follows. Larry, Ruth, Dan, Sid, and Marsha are for the proposal. God and I are against. So, so I wonder what happens in that case. Is God the super majority? But God limits the damage. Satan thinks that he's got the power, that he's got the vote. But God limits the damage on the planet even when the Antichrist is in full power. The foolishness of pride is that we believe we are taking care of everything by our own strength. But the truth be told, God is fully in control of what is happening in the universe. And at no time are God's hands tied. At no time. God's purposes for establishing His kingdom will not fail. This is the confidence of our faith and will be the confidence of the faith of those who find Christ during the tribulation period. We do not have to fear the future. God will always be in control of it. Even the greatest wickedness of man's scheming cannot undo or block the purposes of God. This is the aspect about God that the world has a hard time swallowing. That God permits man to express evil, and yet such expressions do not undermine God's will for the future. God uses such painful times for positive results for those of us who walk by faith. Pearls are a product of pain. A precious tiny jewel conceived through irritation, born of adversity, nursed by adjustments. You know, some oysters are never wounded, and those who seek for gems toss those aside and fit, they're only fit for the stew. What they're looking for are those that have been irritated, those who have faced adversity, those who have, that have formed the pearls of faith. The amazing power of grace is the ability of God to take what is painful and produce spiritual wealth from it. Even in the tribulation period, as in all times of tribulation, even in our lives today, God's powerful grace is at work to transform what would appear to be losses into gains. And so as God did with Job, he continues to control the powers of Satan, even in the worst moments of history. But it's hard to see that in dark times, isn't it? It's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's hard to, to see God sometimes in the midst of the storm. And that's why I've always liked that, that song, uh, uh, Till the Storm Passes Over. <laughs> Almost didn't get it there. And I've had enough, I used to sing a little bit, uh, and my voice doesn't allow me to do it very often anymore. But <clears throat> that was one that people often liked for me to sing because it was one that they could feel some, something in their own life had, that they had been through or whatever. And to hear that song was a reminder that God is there, uh, not only when the storm passes by, but he's really there in the middle of the storm if we just reach out to him. But it's hard to see that during the darkness. It's not easy to find God's purposes within the single incidents of life. It's seen, though, in the overall picture. How God has arranged it. How God has been a part of it. 
So, but even though it's hard to see it, maybe uh, in our eyes, God considers the big picture and is always at work for our good, even when we can't see it, even in the times of darkness. We must guard against despair. And that can often come when we can't combine all the works of God into a single unit and trust Him even in the midst of the dark pieces of time. One day, one day though, we'll see the whole picture. I, I, I like to work puzzles in the winter when you, know, you can't do as much. I don't mow grass in the winter. In, in Ohio, you don't mow grass in the winter, right, Ed? Uh, we put the mowers away and get snowblower out. And, and, you know, some, the last winter, I think I used it twice, maybe, and may, one time just to get it out, there wasn't hardly enough snow to blow, but, you know, you got to, you know, so, but anyway, you got to find something to do. So, uh, I, a lot, a lot of times I'll sit down in the evening, I got my table where I study here, and, and when I can't see anymore, then I turn over here and I, to my puzzle and, and kind of just you know, allow myself to, to uh, let things sink in or whatever. But, but what's aggravating to me is you buy a brand new puzzle and you get to the end and there's a piece missing. You ever have that happen to you? That's kind of aggravating. But, but God holds all the pieces. And when the picture is complete, that's when we see God's been at work all the time. When complimented on our homemade biscuits, the cook at a popular Christian conference center told Dr. Harry Ironside, just consider what goes into the making of these biscuits. The flour itself doesn't taste all that good. You ever have a, you know, take a spoonful of flour? Not really that good, is it? Neither does the baking powder, nor the shortening, nor any of the other ingredients. However, when you mix them all together and those biscuits come out nice and light and flaky and you can add a little butter for a little extra flavor what a great taste sensation right don't you love a nice hot biscuit much of life seems kind of tasteless sometimes even bad but God is able to combine all the ingredients of life and it comes out in such a way that a banquet results that's God's plan that's God's way God will never lose control of mankind, even in this time of the tribulation when Satan is at the height of his power, God is still the master. Let's look at the second part of our lesson. That's God's people. In verses 4 through 17 of chapter 7 of Revelation, and I heard the number of those who were sealed. 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Issachar, there was 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Zebulon, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. The tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. After these things, I think we get the point, right? <laughs> Uh, and after these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. 
And all the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes and where did they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And so he said to me, These are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in this temple. And he who sits on the throne will dwell among them. They shall neither hunger anymore nor thirst anymore. The sun shall not strike them nor any heat. For the lamb who is in the midst of the throne will shepherd them and lead them to living fountains of water. And God will wipe every tear. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. God's plans are built around his love for his people. And even in the worst of times, as a tribulation period, we see God acting around those who belong to him. God will preserve a remnant. We have always, throughout Scripture and throughout history, seen in even the darkest of times a remnant. And he promised that to Abraham, that even in those dark times, there would be some who hold on and are faithful. And we see in this text God's faithfulness to his promises to Abraham. There will be a Jewish remnant saved in the tribulation period. That's what we see here. The figure doesn't have to be taken literally as 144,000. And those that believe that at one time at least that there was only 144,000 going to heaven. I think maybe the, the deadline's ended and they're just going to be left behind. I don't know what's going to happen to them because uh, surely there's been 144,000 from that that, church, uh, that organization, I'm not even sure if I call it a church sometimes, but that organization that thinks that's all that was going to heaven. But this multiple of 12, that's, you know, we need to think in terms of numerology when we look at Scripture. And it's again a multiple of 12, which represents the 12 tribes of Israel, the, the 12 uh, d- disciples, and different things where that number 12 uh, indicates God's perfection. And, he, and it's a, this 144,000 which is represented by 12,000 from each of the tribes that were mentioned, uh, is a multiple of 12. And he will save perfectly those who turn to him from Abraham's seed. These are Jewish converts. These are Jewish converts. These are from the tribes of Israel. And one inter- interesting note on the, on the list of 12 tribes is, anybody notice what it was? Anybody notice when, you, when, when I went through the list, the one interesting thing? Probably not, because, I mean, it's kind of hard to pick it all out, but there's one tribe missing. No, he's represented by Joseph in that case. Even though Manasseh, it's kind of, that's, that's unusual too. That, so that, but there's one other, there's one tribe left out. I should be wearing my name tag today. <laughs> the tribe of Dan. Why is the tribe of Dan missing? Manasseh is listed, and Joseph to make the number as 12 tribes while eliminating the tribe of Dan. And I read somewhere, not sure where, but there is a theory that Dan was noted, the tribe of Dan, for its constant idolatry. And this, is maybe, this may be why they were left out. They were an unrepentant tribe. 
just a theory. But another theory is that the Antichrist may come from the tribe of Dan. So either way, I mean, it's just a couple of theories, just something to think about. But there's probably a reason why that tribe is left out. Totally left out of the picture uh, of these Jewish converts during the tribulation. So, the important feature, however, is that God will redeem those who come to Him, even in this dark period. There will be hope even in the presence of the Antichrist ruling. Christ will still seek and save the lost. And those who are sealed by the Antichrist, we know, have no hope, and they will be lost. But Christ will also find a remnant to seal for Himself those that he will, those whom He will save. And this vast group of Jewish believers will become finally the witnesses of Christ's gospel in these last days of tribulation. You remember that God uh, set aside the, the uh, nation Israel for specific purposes. One of them uh, being to, to uh, prosper and populate the, the earth. One was to preserve the word of God. We have the word of God today in the way that we have it because the Jews preserved it. They did it uh, originally through uh, scribes, or through actually word to word, word to word of mouth to their children and to their grandchildren, and, and constantly told the stories and repeated the things that eventually were written down and then rewritten time and time again by the scribes, so that we God preserved His word, and that was through the Jewish people. But another of the things that the Jewish people were supposed to do was to go and you know make. Uh, converts of other nations and that's where they stopped <laughs> the jews never took it outside of their own their own people and now we see these witnesses will be the ones who preach during the tribulation and that's interesting that god finally allows them an opportunity to to perform the last of their tasks that they were responsible for and that is to preach the gospel. And it will be during this time of tribulation that the gospel will go out through the mouths of Jewish converts. Those that had rejected Christ now will be preaching Christ. So the good news in this evil time is that this remnant of Jewish believers take the gospel to the whole world and there will be a great host of people saved from every tribe, every nation, and every tongue. That's good news. That's good news. The gospel is always good news. Whether in this day and age or during the tribulation, the gospel is always good news. And God's love and power has not, not we've seen it, has not been diminished under Satan's terrible attempts to destroy God. In fact, the saving power of God is still very much at work in the world during the tribulation. There will be those who realize then that their only hope is in Christ. And if they don't take the mark of the beast, they can be sealed uh, through their uh, salvation. And so sometimes it takes that drastic darkness, those great types of events, for men to realize their need of a Savior. The pilgrims, the pilgrims would not fully understand in their lifetime the reason, the reason for all the suffering that was a part of their lives. And the first official Thanksgiving Day occurred as a unique holy day in 1621, and in the fall of that year, with lingering memories of the difficult, terrible winter that they'd just been in a few months before, and scores of the people, children, especially young, uh, young people, and, and some adults had starved to death 
And many of the pilgrims had gotten to the point where they were even ready to go back to England. So they had climbed on a ship and were in, that, in the harbor heading back to England, ready to give up. And as they were preparing to leave, they saw another ship coming the other way. And on that ship there was a Frenchman named Delaware. He came with medical supplies and some food and that they had enough hope then with this uh, replenishment to go back and to try again to live in this adverse setting. And yet they came to that first Thanksgiving with the spirit of giving and of sharing. So even in the midst of the darkest hours for the pilgrims, when they'd almost lost hope, decided to go back, God provided for them and they, and they gave thanks, even in the midst of that adversity. So if Christ can be found in the midst of horrible evil, surely he can be found right now. And that's why it's so important that we continue to preach the gospel. The question, do you feel alone, empty, deserted, struggling in the darkness and wondering where God is sometimes? He's right here, right now, waiting to come into our hearts and into our lives. He responds to faith. God responds to our faith. Isn't that great? So we need to trust Him, trust His purposes, even when the outlook looks bleak. God cannot disappoint. It's against his nature to disappoint. He is faithful. Does this mean that everything goes well after finding Christ? And I always say to my people, God didn't promise roses without thorns. (laughs) So no, Jesus said it rains on the just and the unjust. No, life isn't uh, peaches and cream once we become saved. It's life. And it comes with all uh, that we have to bear just as anyone else would. But many believers, in this case, will suffer martyrdom as a result of their coming to Christ. It's the only avenue uh, if they will not accept the mark of the beast. So comfort isn't the goal of faith. Get this this morning. Comfort isn't the goal of faith. Commitment is. In the face of persecution and even death, there will be men and women who will stand up in faith and be counted, and their comforts in this world will be secondary to their commitment to Christ. And living for God is not a matter of being pain-free in the here and now. It is a commitment of our lives to Christ, no matter what the present cost. So when the elder asked John who all these believers are and where they are coming from, John simply responds, Sir, you know. Sir, you know. The elder then identifies these blood-bought saints. These are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Notice the elder is careful not to say that they washed their own robes. They are washed by, only by the blood of the Lamb. Even in the midst of, great, of the great tribulation, God's plan is still at work. It's still the same plan that was instituted at Calvary. It's still the same blood. It's still the same process. God is in control. God is in control. God has a plan for our lives. And if you come to Him, He will not abandon you. He will not allow darkness to overtake us. He will be there even in the midst of the greatest tribulations of our lives. Why not trust Him? And 
you know, some of you know that I've been going to the hospital off and on during camp with one of my parishioners. And it, the news every time I go is, you know, they're taking more of his foot, more, you know, and more uh, surgery. It, it, when they did surgery, I think it was on uh, Friday, they left this, the wound, they just stitched it loosely so they could go back in again on Tuesday and take more of his foot. So, you know, sometimes we're faced with some hard things. And I keep encouraging him and that, that God is still in control and that God will get you through this and he'll have a plan for you from this point on. But, you know, it's hard to see that when you're facing surgery after surgery after surgery or chemo treatment after chemo treatment after chemo treatment. You know, it's hard to see God sometimes in the midst of those times. But God is there. And that's what we need to, to share with them and let them know. Now John con- in concludes this parenthesis because it's, remember we left off at the sixth seal. And next year, <laughs> we'll look at the seventh seal. So we got, we got this little parenthesis today uh, be, be, between the sixth and seventh seal. And he shows this great picture. You know, he, I think he didn't want us to be without hope here. He wanted us to understand that even in the midst of all this mess, that God was in control and there was going to be some good stuff come out of the tribulation. So the final outcome for believers is one of great celebration and victory. Though beaten and battered on earth, these tribulation saints will now reside in heaven with the reward of righteousness. Not all the scales of justice show up in the here and now, but faith will not go unrewarded in eternity. The former pains and sufferings will disappear in heaven. And knowing this now helps us to endure what comes now and later. It is the knowledge that gives our present existence meaning. And with meaning, we can handle just about anything that comes. When Jewish psychiatrist Viktor Frankl was arrested by the Nazis in World War II, he was stripped of everything. Property, family, possessions... He had spent years researching and writing a book on the importance of finding meaning in life, concepts that would later be known as logotherapy. But when he arrived in Auschwitz, the infamous death camp, even in his manuscript, which he had hidden in the lining of his coat, even that was taken away. He said, I had to to undergo and overcome the loss of my spiritual child. His book was his spiritual child. It was what he had written about and, and, and tried to grasp meaning for uh, himself and, and then to share with others. And he wrote, Now it seemed as if nothing and no one would survive me, neither a physical nor a spiritual child of my own. I found myself confronted with the question of whether under such circumstances my life was ultimately void of any meaning. He was still wrestling with the, with the question a few days later, when the Nazis forced the prisoners to give up their clothes. I had to surrender my clothes and in turn inherited the worn out rags of an inmate who had already gone to the gas chamber. Instead of the many pages of my manuscript, I found in the pocket of the newly acquired coat a single page torn out of a Hebrew prayer book which contained the main Jewish prayer, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul 
and with all your might. He goes on to say, how should I have interpreted such a coincidence other than as a challenge to live my thoughts instead of merely putting them on paper? And later, as Frankel reflected on his ordeal, he wrote in his book, Man's Search for Meaning, there is nothing in the world that would so effectively help one to survive even the worst conditions as the knowledge that there is a meaning in one's life. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. There will come a time, thankfully, when all sorrows will be erased, when all the sufferings this world of this world will pale in comparison to the rewards of eternity. So when tough times come, even when there seems to be no justice now, and sorrows seem to abound, remember that God doesn't always settle the accounts on this side of eternity. God does take notice of everything, and He is ultimately in control. And we need not despair, even when the forces of darkness are pressing in on every side. The final outcome is victory for the saints. Will you be among the number that's around the throne celebrating? Well, certainly we all can be. In the midst of tribulation, we would expect a scene of of devastation. Yet John shows us, in the middle of it all, a picture of God at work in the hearts of men and women who will respond to Him. Even in the horrific time, God's plan and purposes are being faithful to the lost. The power of the gospel, and we need to understand this, the power of the gospel is greater than the power of Satan or the power of sin. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the time and the word that we've had during this encampment. And we thank you for this book that you promised if we just read it, we would be blessed. And as we've gone through it, we have tried to point out those things that would leave us hope and encouragement. And not only for our, our lives and our day and age, but for the church that is left behind because of their, their, their lack of spiritual desire to serve you and to do your will, to preach the whole truth and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And for those that are lost during the tribulation period, there's still hope because the gospel is still the good news. I pray, O God, that you'll help us in these days to be faithful with the word of God and to allow it to be our main source of energy, what creates life in us, and help us to share it with the lost and dying world. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, that's all I have for this year. Anybody have any final comments or questions that I can't answer, but Lane can or Gary can? (laughs) The book book of Revelation, I I told several people, it's one that I've fallen in love with and certainly have never avoided preaching because I believe there's so much good stuff in there. And I, I get excited by it, sorry, but I do. <laughs> well, have a great day. Enjoy some fellowship. And then uh, 6 o'clock, our concluding service. That seems possible. <laughs>